Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. Remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Ralph Martin. He's president of Renewal Ministries, director of graduate theology program and evangelization, and a professor of theology at Sacred Heart Major Seminary in the Archdiocese of Detroit. He's also the author of many books, and I'm just going to list the ones I've read, Fulfillment of All Desire, Will Many Be Saved, and the latest one, The Church in Crisis. And all of them are excellent books, and if you don't read them, that's that's your own fault, because you need to read these things. Thanks for joining us, Ralph. Well, thanks, Deacon Jeffrey, for your continued work, not only in Catholic Radio, but in Catholic Charities. Well, I appreciate it. Why don't you tell people how they can follow what you're doing and, uh, you know, to follow Renewal Ministries? Yeah, well, they could just go to our website, renewalministries.net, and, you know, we have a weekly TV program running on EWTN, but you can get it on the website. We have two daily Catholic radio programs. We do mission work in a lot of different countries. We reach out to young adults and high school students. So all those ministries you can kind of access there. I'd say the the most significant one we're doing right now is our YouTube channel. We're doing uh, new YouTube videos every week, Peter Herbeck and myself. And well, the one you just mentioned, it hasn't been out two weeks yet. And it's already got 115,000 views already. And so the, the videos we're doing seem to like they're really connecting with people and giving them some perspective on what we're living through right now and how to keep their feet grounded in a, in a time of confusion. Well, I think not only the videos, you know, your latest book, Church in Crisis, all those things really hit home and keep people abreast of what's going on. So really appreciate you doing that because I just get question after question about where are we going? What is the church doing? What is our government doing and so i think you really do kind of spell things out in a calm but you know in a serious manner about you know our salvation's at stake if we don't really grasp on and focus on christ and not let these other things kind of get in the way yeah yeah we need to be realistic about the seriousness of what we're facing but we also need to be very very clear that jesus has won the victory and we can start living in that hope and confidence right now well, you know, the more I think I'm living in, you know, the screw tape letters, the more stuff pops <laughs> out, fits me that I think I am, especially I watched your YouTube video on a talk Putin gave me, and I actually pulled up and looked at the transcript that you had linked there. I can't say I agree with everything he was saying, obviously, but for somebody who was supposedly part of, you know, the old evil empire, he really yeah. hit home on morals, ethics, values, you know, transgender ideology. And how the West has really gone off the rails in this progressive movement. Yeah, I, I, I quite honestly was shocked when I read it, which is why I did the video. Who would have thought that somebody who worked for the KGB in the old Soviet Union, who's now the president of Russia, would ever say that what we need to safeguard is the Judeo-Christian values on marriage and family life and sexuality and that he's really concerned about how crazy things are getting into the West, uh, in the West, as they're turning away from these values. And who would ever thought we'd have the American president kind of talking about those undermining things that, that are going on right now in our country with elevating the LGBTQ agenda over religious freedom and rights of conscience and uh, doubling down on, on abortion and 
just all the other things that are going on. We have like almost a reversal of roles. And like you say, you know, I'm not endorsing Putin as, as a role model or anything like that, but I think he really is insightful. He says, we tried this for 70 years. We tried this and it caused utter disaster for our people. And it's a terrible path to go on. He says, this is Marxism all over again under the guise of critical race theory. Yeah, I mean, he talks about, you know, the Bolshevik Revolution in, in 1917, Engels, you know, following Engels and Marx, which is, you know, a road to nowhere fast and really a road to hell fast. And it really is. It was almost like I was reading, you know, at least that section of his talk I was reading to Alexander Solzhenitsyn for crying out loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As Solzhenitsyn very famously said, the problem with all the evil in the world is that we've forgotten God. And and yeah, Putin is now portraying himself as a believer. I mean, he has for many years. I mean, he's been going to Russian Orthodox Church services. He's baptized, and he's been defending uh, basic morality for a whole number of years. And so this isn't new, but it's pretty striking when he says what he sees happening in the West is Marxism all over again. It's class warfare. Yeah, and we're buying it hook, line, and sinker. You know, the the world is obviously, you know, we have globalism, you know, whether you want to call it modernism, whatever it is. And it seems yeah. to be, not only seems to be, but it really, the church is being infected by this, isn't it? Unfortunately, yes. Uh, and <clears throat> that's why I, I did another video just last week, sort of basically cheering on Archbishop Gomez, who's president of the American Bishops Conference, who gave a pretty amazing talk himself uh, to a video conference in, in Spain, where he said, this whole woke culture that's happening in the United States now is a different religion. And we can't pretend that it's compatible with Christianity. It's a competing religion. And it's asking us to uh, bow down before us. And we, and we can't. And so it was a tremendous uh, cry to kind of stand firm in our, our faith in Christ. And resist the kind of false substitutes for religion that are arising so aggressively in our culture. And, you know, I know you talked, we talked about it last time I had you on, you know, your book, The Church in Crisis, but you really do hit the nail on the head with what's going on within the church, the problems. I mean, you give solutions to come out of it, but in reality, the church, you know, what's going on in Rome, it just seems like all we're doing is embracing this culture, trying to be friends with the culture, as opposed to really focused on people's souls. It's almost like we're just trying to get along. It's almost like parents who want to be their children's friends as opposed to their parents. I, I think that's really a good way of saying it, Deacon Jeffrey, really. Uh, it, it seems like we're kind of like sucking up to the world, wanting the world to like us and think that we're enlightened and that we're woke and uh, you know, it's easy to get the impression these days that the main thing that Catholic Church is concerned about is getting people vaccinated or climate change or uh, the Amazon and, you know, things like that. And quite honestly, uh, the, the primary mission of the church isn't to save the Amazon, it's to save people from hell. It's to boldly proclaim Jesus Christ as the savior of the whole world and call everybody in the world, no matter what they believe and what they're doing, to submission to Jesus Christ and to membership in his church. Well, and I think, you know, COVID kind of removed the veil, right? We've seen what's behind the curtain, the great Oz, right? The church seems to be more focused, whether it's, you know, the vaccinations and the closing of the churches, it seems to be more focused on the physical body 
than the soul. And in the end, it's got to be the other way around and we're not going to fulfill the mission that Christ has for his church. Yeah, well, so much of what is happening it just is not compatible with what Jesus says time after time in the gospel. For example, he said, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body, but rather be afraid of the death of soul and body in hell. You know, or he says, you know, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Better to enter the kingdom missing a, a, a hand or missing an eye than to go down to hell with an intact body. And so Jesus obviously isn't asking us to really cut off our hand and pluck out our eye, but he's saying the greatest evil in the world is sin. And we got to do whatever it takes to turn away from serious sin and be reconciled to God and, and, and live in his, his grace and his friendship. So what is your take on, you know, the church really or the Pope really attacking, you know, the traditional Latin mass and, you know, trying to almost bring in everybody else, whether it's the Senate on synodality, let's get everybody's opinion on where we are. Why are we focused on attacking those that want to go to the traditional Latin mass when we have so many problems in this world and we're attacking the people who tend to be very faithful? Well, it does seem like uh, church authority sometimes feels a lot freer in attacking or correcting or dissing uh, conservative Catholics than it does all the people who are running wild, uh, undermining the faith in the name of Catholicism. I I think, though, that the concern the Pope expressed for sometimes things that are happening amongst the traditional Latin mass community are, are valid. I think it, there can be a sectarian attitude. There, there can be a, an underlying attack on Vatican II as a legitimate council. There can be a, a dissing the legitimacy of the Novo Sordo. And I think, though, that he, uh, he used a sledgehammer to, to, to solve a problem that needs to be handled on the local level, and that there are some very healthy uh, traditional Latin mass communities I think Archbishop Aquila has come out and said he really feels good about what's happening with that and first diocese at Denver. But in other places, there really are problems that need to be handled by the local bishop. But the uh, the blanket sort of condemnation almost or restrictions, uh, I, I think, were, were not a wise way of handling this problem. Although I think, quite honestly, there are some of these problems in some places that do need to be pastorally handled because they, they verge on a schismatic sectarian attitude. Yeah, I mean, it almost reminds me of the old Monty Python skit, right, where they go hunting mosquitoes with a bazooka. Uh, when, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm like, what? This, you know, pinch me. Is there, is, there, is there something I'm really missing, right? I mean, I think, look, all things, we always need to keep an eye on things within the church, makes things, they don't go too far out of whack. But to just go out, with, as you mentioned, with a sledgehammer, it really seems uh, odd, especially when the church itself, you know, is embracing people like Jeff Sachs and bringing him on to, you know, the pontifical yeah. councils, uh, you know, secret deals with China. It just it just really feels and I think people are trying to say, who do I follow? What's going on here? And I think, you know, your mm-hmm. thing is, look, it's about your salvation. It's about following Jesus Christ. But it's hard to kind of put these other things away and forget about. Them. Yeah. And I think it helps us to, like like I said before, be honest about the difficulties. There really are some confusing things happening in the church. There really are some 
uh, conflicting signals being given, even in Rome. And there are, and right now in the United States, there's a, a serious division amongst bishops. You know, even mm-hmm. though everybody signed on to this latest uh, document on the Eucharist, we know that all kinds of people who signed on to it, uh, who allegedly agree that somebody who uh, is, is publicly opposing the church on, on a key issue like abortion should not be receiving communion after a period of dialogue. We, we know that there's just an awful lot of bishops that signed on to that that aren't going to do it. You know, they're they're on record for not doing it, you know. And uh, some of these pol- Catholic politicians that have been openly working to extend the right to abortion have been dialoguing for years, and we, we know nothing's coming out of it. And so I'm just waiting for some bishops to start pulling the trigger, you know. Like, I, I think talk is cheap, and it's time for some action. Well, and I think that's what people really want to see, right? In a world that seems to be getting crazier and crazier as the days go by and really making less sense, the light of the church should shine even brighter. And it really is looking for the church, the bishops, the pope, cardinal, whoever, pastors, to stand up and speak the truth. I think people would jump at that, don't you? I think I think those who really believe the faith would really jump at it. Absolutely. I think they're scandalized that it isn't happening. Honestly, if we really think the Eucharist is the body and blood of Christ, if we believe what Scripture tells us about it, what the Church teaches about it, that to to receive it in an unworthy manner, uh, in in while we're advocating grave evil, uh, is to risk our own salvation and, and our own health, our own spiritual and physical health, and. Uh, if we believe that, why are we so reluctant to actually implement that? You know, <laughs> you know it, it's scandalous. It makes ordinary Catholics think, do the bishops really believe what they teach about the Eucharist? Do they really believe what they teach about abortion? You know, so it, it's, 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 it's scandalous. It is. And I think, you know, we see a lot of people within the church. And I think, you know, Pope Francis is one, unfortunately, Right. There's so much ambiguity. They they don't directly come out and contradict the teachings of the church, but they make it seem like, for example, there's no hell. Right. Everybody's going to go to heaven. I mean, you did a great job of talking about that. Will many be saved and people need to read that book? But we still have, you know, whether it's, you know, God bless Bishop Barron or different ones. They really kind of muddy the waters instead of being clear that there is a heaven and a hell and there will be. A judgment on all of us, right? Yeah, yeah, there is. And it, it, one of the things that makes it confusing is, for example, Pope Francis says that abortion is evil. It's like hiring a hitman. It's murder. But then he just had this meeting with President Biden, and President Biden emerges from the meeting saying, "The Pope, you know, confirmed me in being a good Catholic, and I could still keep going to communion." Now we don't know whether the Pope really said that or not. But mm-hmm. believe me, if the if the Pope had actually spoken to him about the grave evil abortion, how he needed to repent and stop supporting it, he couldn't have said what he said. And the official topics that were discussed didn't even list abortion, which is a problem. So I'm concerned that Vatican protocol and Vatican diplomacy is kind of suffocating the gospel. I mean, Pope Francis's main obligation to Joe Biden is to be concerned about his soul and to call him to repentance. And even though we're not supposed to uh, talk about private conversations because of Vatican protocol, you know, there's a local pastor that just gave a, a sermon a couple of weeks ago 
saying, look, if, if, if a head of state had come out of an audience with the Pope saying the Pope says he's not so concerned after all about clergy sex abuse of children, believe me, the Vatican would have clarified it that the Pope never said that. Isn't abortion a grave matter that the Pope shouldn't be misrepresented on? And, and wouldn't the, shouldn't the Vatican issue a clarification say, no, the Pope didn't say that, you know? And if right. the Pope didn't talk to Biden about abortion, that's terrible. I mean, you ought to be concerned about his salvation. Right. And that's and, you know, and you've talked about it, in, you know, at nauseum because it's so important. Right. And you talk about it when you talk about will many be saved. It really is. This is about our getting to heaven and, and being in the beatific vision. It's not about being popular. Uh, and if, yeah. I, I always think if Biden would have walked out of there and said, you know what, I no longer need to recycle and there were earls and the were the earth is not that important yeah. that, that the Vatican would have said, we never said that to, to your point. Right. Right. I know. I know it. It really is scandalous. It really is. But your point is that the reason why we're concerned about this is because, as you say, there really is a heaven. There really is a hell. And scripture and the tradition of the church and the catechism of the Catholic Church make absolutely clear that it really matters what we believe in, how we live. Uh, determining our eternal salvation. And, you know, one way I would have to describe how many Catholics are thinking about the world today would go something like this. Broad and wide is the way that leads to heaven, and almost everybody's going that way. Narrow is the door that leads to hell, difficult the road, and hardly anybody's going that way. Now, Deacon Jeffrey, I know that you know that this is a big problem because it's just the opposite of what Jesus himself said. You know, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus said, broad and wide is the way that's heading to destruction, and many are traveling that way. And narrow is the door that leads to life, leads to heaven, and difficult is the road, but few there are who are finding it. Now, we know that Jesus isn't happy that this is the situation. He, We know that God wills the salvation of the whole human race, but people have to respond to the gift of God's mercy. People have to respond to his love with faith and repentance in order for his, his redemption to be effective in our lives. But, I, you know, really, in order to do that, if we don't have a deep relationship with the Holy Spirit, oh, by the way, the gift given to all baptized, uh, then we're not going to know. We're not going to follow, right? We're going to believe all these lies that we continue to hear and the truth won't resonate, right? It's really that deep relationship with the Holy Spirit that helps us focus on our salvation, helps us focus on the truth, which is Jesus Christ, isn't it? Yeah, I, I would say absolutely. The number one priority, the number one response to the confusion, the chaos, the ambiguity, the contradictions, the pressure from the culture, confusion within the church, is get with the Lord. Get with the Lord. And that means really everybody should have a daily prayer time and meditation on the Word of God. You know, Jesus says, my own recognize my voice and hear me. And when they hear me, they follow me. So we got to get used to hearing the Lord. And we do that in prayer. We do that by becoming familiar with what he speaks to us in Scripture. And then we do it also by this kind of sensitivity to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body, he was talking about persecution, and, and persecution is coming. And he said, if, if you deny me before men, I'm going to deny you before my Father in heaven. But then he went on to say, 
when they bring you up before judges and kings, when persecution comes, don't worry beforehand what you're going to say, because the Holy Spirit will give it to you when you need it. And and we need to be in that kind of relationship with the Lord, that openness to the Holy Spirit, that communion with him in prayer, uh, that when the day comes and we're, we're called up before judges or whatever, uh, or, or threatened with excommunication from our country club or, you know, fired from our job because we can't bow down before the new religion, uh, we need to know that the Holy Spirit will give us what to say and what to do. He'll give us wisdom. But that presupposes a pre-existing relationship with the Holy Spirit and with the Lord. Well, and, you know, the courage and the wisdom to do what you're saying, right, to speak up and to, you know, go against this woke culture that's when you, if you'll do that, that's when you know you have a good relationship with the Lord. When you trust in Him, you know He's going to help you. But we have way too many people not saying anything, right? They're afraid of being canceled. They're afraid about, you know, the tsunami that's coming after them when it's, the world yeah. needs exactly the opposite now, doesn't it? Right, right. Just when the world most needs the church to be clear and strong, uh, it's waffling. Many Catholics are waffling. Many Catholics don't know their right hand from their left, unfortunately. And that's why uh, those of us who have been so blessed by being drawn into relationship with the Lord and having the opportunity to uh, study the catechism and develop a prayer life, we have a responsibility to help our fellow Catholics to wake up to the Lord and realize that if they don't get with the Lord, they could end up denying him and being denied by him before the Father in heaven. You know, one of the one of the shocking things, you know, President Putin's talk was shocking, but one of the other shocking things is what it says in Revelation chapter twenty one. It says, you know, Jesus says, Don't be afraid of, of the first death, don't be afraid of biological death. For a Christian it really is a doorway to eternal life. But there's something called the second death. And the second death is eternal separation from God, and it talks about being thrown into the lake of fire. Now we don't know whether there's literally a lake of fire or whatever, but basically saying eternal separation from God is terrible. And who's in the lake of fire? Well, murderers, okay. Uh, liars, cowards, mm-hmm. cowards. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. So we have to ask God to give us the gift of, of getting over our fear of men and that we fear God more than men. You know, In the epistle of James, it says, he who loves the world becomes an enemy of God. He who is a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. And he's not talking about that kind of love of the world that God has for loving it to bring us to repentance and salvation, but loving the world and its fallenness, loving the world and its rebellion against God, loving the world and its sin and deception. That's bad. If you're a friend of that world, if you're a friend of the fallen world, you're going to end up becoming an enemy of God. Well, and we become an enemy of God when we live the life of a lie. We live those sins. But it really is a reminder to each and every one of us, look, Christ wins the war, and we can't yeah. earn our salvation, but we can and must participate, right? It is, we, you know, yeah. faith without works is dead, James tells us, right? And that those right. works are going out there sharing Jesus Christ and not being afraid of the lies of the evil one. Right, right. And you know, people sometimes ask me, Ralph, you, you know a lot about what's going wrong in the world. You know the persecution that's coming. You know a lot about what's going on right in the church. Aren't you discouraged? When I tell people, I am not discouraged at all. 
because there's nothing that's happening that isn't happening under the providence of God. God is permitting even the evil things, even the cowardly things, even the unfaithful things, because he's got a plan to bring good out of it. You might say, what good could he bring out of it? Well, he's bringing to the surface a lot of rotten stuff under the surface, both in our culture and in the church. And I think he wants to give everybody a chance to repent. But if there's a refusal to repent, then there'll be a just judgment. And and that that's absolutely going to happen. Another thing that he's doing is he's trying to purify the church. And that always means forming a remnant. So right now, I think the Lord is forming a remnant. He's doing it through Catholic radio. He's doing it through bishops like Archbishop Aquila. He's doing it through Renewal Ministries. He's doing it through many organizations and instruments where God's people are gathering together, helping each other to keep their heads clear and their commitment to Jesus strong so they can stand together as witnesses to him. So I'm not discouraged at all because Jesus is the Lord. And, and and nobody can resist the will of God, ultimately, and God's permitting, allowing this to happen, because he's got a plan to bring good out of it, to judge it, to purify it. Well, and that good is, right, he's put us here at this particular time in history to work out our salvation, right? This is, this is, should yeah. be something that scares us. This should be something to say, wow, this is my opportunity to show the Lord how much I love him by loving those and caring about their souls. That's that's really too, Deacon Jeffrey. It's a privilege to live in this time. It's a privilege that the Lord is allowing us to, with him, face the challenge that we're now facing. Well, and I think the people that don't agree with us, right, the people who, you know, drive us up the wall, those are souls that need to be saved, too. And if we view that, view them from that vantage point, then we're going to have yeah. a whole different mentality of things as opposed to feeling like a victim. Right. And and this is where one of the differences being a Christian means, you know, like Paul says in Ephesians chapter six, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but the primary enemy here is the devil. And we got to really put on the spiritual armor and we need to pray for our enemies. We need to love our enemies. We need to uh, bless them and we need to wish good for them. We need to be careful that we don't fall into the polarization going on in our culture also going on in our church and forget that we are fellow human beings. We're oftentimes fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And even though we have very deep disagreements, we need to love those that we disagree with. We need to care about unity in the church. We need to not fall into unnecessary division or polarization. Although there is some necessary division, Jesus says, I haven't come to bring peace, but I bring a sword. I've come to even divide families on the basis of their loyalty to me or their lack of loyalty to me. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.